3: Greetings, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode 151 of the No Encore Music Podcast, back on that two-man beat with Craig Fitzpatrick.
4: Hello Dave, it's us again. Yes. We're not sitting directly across from each other this time, as we did in our last two-man, but... um, Did we? Yeah, we did. And it was kind of, it was good, I think. Okay. Slightly conversational for the first 20, 25 minutes.
3: Well, now it just feels like we're on some kind of panel review show <laughs> with no guests. <laughs>
4: So, you kind of are. <laughs> so yeah, goes.
3: You've been ill this week. You sound have, good, though. Yeah.
4: do I I think I've got that thing where my throat is messed up because I had like a stomach bug. And I've got like a slight hoarsiness that makes me sound irresistible, would you say? Can I be brutally honest with you? Yeah.
3: I thought you were dead.
4: <laughs> what do you mean? You didn't
3: like reply to my messages for oh, like two really? days. And I genuinely was like... He's dead. he's dead. Because at one stage I was like there was a sense of urgency on something. Yeah. And I kind of said to you I sent you a voice message on the Sunday <laughs> and then there was no reply, no nothing and I was like okay cool no problem. Then I got to a stage where I sent you are you alive dude? Nothing. And then hours and hours later I said can you respond to this thing cuz like this I like I need this thing tomorrow yeah. and again nothing and I thought he's dead. And the last thing I've ever said to him is are you alive? <laughs> And I started... This is going to be seen by police and they're going to be like... That came into my head for sure. What? Yeah, as did me then being like, I'm going to have to speak at his funeral... I, I, my, my mind just ran away with I it. I apologize, dude. It's not your um, fault, it's mine. I was mine. just in
4: bed <laughs> without my phone being charged and not looking at it. <laughs>
3: An overactive imagination uh, and our reliance on communication in the 21st century. I know. I'm I glad know. you're not dead. Always go,
4: yeah, well, listen. Um. But thought, yeah, I'm one of those people that can leave a phone down and not go back to it for a long time. I feel like you know this about me. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Yeah. I wish I no, was, no, 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 no,
3: but no. I'm not that guy. Well. Anyway. If you contact me, I'll probably get back to you pretty quickly.
4: Which is, you're a helpful guy as opposed to me. It's just like terrifying his Friends, apparently. that was me like addressing
3: like the world. I wasn't saying to you, I, was, I wasn't trying to shame you or guilt you. So it's been a tough week for me because that happened, yeah. And then well, I committed uh, grievous body, bodily harm on a child. Tell us what happened, leaving work the other day. <laughs> and, uh, this is a music podcast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> Leaving work the other day, and I was just walking along, walking from my bus, walking at pace, you might say. And then I felt something clip my foot, and I looked down and I saw a child, a boy of about four or five years of age, I'd say about five, uh, hit the deck Harry Kane style and just smack on the pavement. It was dark oh. and I froze and I immediately reacted to it as if it was an adult and I just went, I'm really, I'm so sorry, man. I'm really, really sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man, I'm really, really sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
4: I call him man, right? <laughs> Dude, I'll get your point. It's grand. <laughs> as
3: this child looked up at me with this look on his face of pure confusion and betrayal, <laughs> And I looked over my shoulder at this point, wondering where the parents were, because surely this kid has someone to answer to. Yeah. And there was a woman pushing a pram and looked up and I went, I'm really sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't see. And then she said, oh no, it's grand, don't worry about it, it happens all the time. Happens
4: all the time.
3: Apparently so. Poor child. At this point, I looked back down at him and he then started to ball his eyes out crying. The delayed reaction thing, looking at me again like I had just committed the ultimate (laughs) act of betrayal. And I... To quote the end of the Morrissey book, and I turned and I walked away.
4: It's the only thing you could do, man, but you know those looks of betrayal and the bawling crying is usually a good sign, like it would have been much more disconcerting if there was no response yeah Jesus um,
3: if there were two deaths that occurred this week um that rocked my world, but you know you yours being the first yes of course, so yeah, that wasn't fun, but it was it was okay, you know, I got a funny tweet
4: out of it which, what was the tweet I didn't see? Uh, my phone I, was... I said... <laughs> not about my person.
3: I said... It, 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 it's more of a visual thing because I use block capitals uh, strategically. I said... I, I'm, I'm going to try and raise my voice here for effect. I said, just accidentally uh, just accidentally tripped up a child in the street and he cried. <laughs> which doesn't really work vocally, but it did numbers, man. People nice. liked it. Were
4: you siding a child? <sighs>
3: As opposed to hiding a child. Yes, that was the that yeah. was the point. I sides down a child. That's the jewel. I learned my lesson, but well, all's well that ends well.
4: A little bit. Um, <laughs> this I, has been
3: a very dark start. I feel. Yeah, dark times. I watched Bohemian Rhapsody last
4: night. <laughs> Does that feed into the dark times? I can't talk it about it because, as you it ends on yeah. last
3: week's show, no popcorn is coming soon. I love it. Which will be our movies slash music uh, related thing that we're going to do. Uh, hopefully one a month, if it goes really well and I find free time, which I will not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might do it every two weeks. But for now, one a month. Myself and Michael Pope of the Galaxy Fame will be discussing Bohemian Rhapsody very soon.
4: Big movie buff that guy. Yeah. I don't
3: want the flicks. <laughs> I don't want to like spoil anything, but I will say it's not good.
4: Okay. I'm not terribly surprised. Is it not good in a way that will be entertaining in podcast form?
3: That's my plan, otherwise Excellent. this whole thing is a bust. But lots of stuff happened and I found myself, I watched it with my housemate and, you know, we just couldn't help but get into running commentary as it was going on. So, but people think it's great. It's up for Best Picture.
4: There was talk of, um, you know, the whole Oscars, they've now officially confirmed there's no actual host. They apparently approached Queen to like kickstart the whole thing and Queen were like, no. Jesus. Just because of the tenuous. I suppose not that tenuous, but still. Like, there's lots of talk desperation, desperation, desperation. When it desperation.
3: comes to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. So no, no popcorn coming soon. Last talk, let's keep it on the music front, but something that was cinematic and something that was the stuff of Hollywood lore and nightmares. Maroon 5 did the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Did you stay up for it? No, I did not. I was awake while it was occurring. And I'll tell you, I watched uh, NXT, WWE like, put on their own kind of halftime heat version. Okay. They put on a six-man tag match uh, for people, kind of like a showcase thing. So I'm going to because you asked last week about the wrestling. You asked, "Are there any names that you would know these days?" Yeah. So I'm going to list off six names. Go ahead. None of which I think you'll know. All right. And the following names are Johnny Gargano. No. Tomasa Champa. No. Adam Cole.
4: No. Brackets. I was baby, thinking of Andrew Cole, who formerly played for United and released a song called "Outstanding." Outstanding stuff.
3: <laughs> there was also in this match, Alistair Black. No. The Velveteen Dream.
4: How do I not know
3: this chap? And okay. Ricochet. Not to be confused with <laughs> Irish the DJ, DJ Ricochet.
4: No. One of those kind of stupid puns that I didn't get for quite a, a long time. I just assumed he was Mr. O'Shea.
3: No, oh, Mr. Uh, Misha Freshen. I did not myself. I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, it's a gag. Okay.
4: Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Anyone?
3: <laughs> Anyone? Also, <a> wrestling... no. <laughs> So, the I didn't watch Super Bowl Live. However, it appeared to be a terrible match. Match? They don't call it matches. Yeah, the game. it didn't look that. So I, I had
4: no intention of staying up for it. And yeah, it was, I think, the second lowest scoring of all time. The LA Rams, who have no affinity for. Arsenal owner Stan Kroenke, I believe, owns the LA Rams and pumped, like, crazy amounts of money into them to get to that position. And all I've seen is Arsenal fans being like, where's our money, mate? <laughs> uh, so, them against the eternal... Never will die. The heels. Patriots. The, the yeah. Patriots.
3: the head coach for the Rams is 33 years of age. Yes. Which is frightening. Yeah.
4: Half the age of Belichick, who is the coach for the Patriots. Jesus. Well, triumphs. let's
3: talk about the music aspect. So Maroon 5, uh, who were the subject of much criticism and abuse going into this, because everyone was like, you know, you cross the picket line here. We should be supporting Colin uh, Kaepernick, of whom many people were, not just in the music role. Yeah. Like you got your Cardi B's. You know, Avi Duvernay's in the in the movie world, and many people essentially saying that if you take this money and you take this payday, you are effectively a racist. <laughs> like that's kind of what was being insinuated.
4: Yeah, by a lot of people. you're no friend of us anyway. So, um, and also, uh, Travis Scott. <laughs> Travis Scott was there. <laughs> who, who? Yeah, I think you know he appeared for the extent of a verse of one yeah, it wasn't song. Great. And like, really, he could have sat that one out. We'll go, all the we'll go chronologically yes, with yeah. this.
3: So essentially, it's the halftime show. Which, by the way. I mean, lugging all that fucking gear onto the field. I got it right this time. Not yes. pitch field. <laughs> the halftime. Must the game last. dome. <laughs> does, does the halftime last like an hour? Because it's well, <laughs> like
4: I think it's no, not getting, it's not an hour. It's a half hour, maybe forty minutes. I think it's forty-five minutes. The show itself is like what twelve to fifteen, 15 minutes or so.
3: Yeah. So essentially, Marine Five did a medley because that's what they do. It's always a medley of their big hits, and they had Travis Scott come in via SpongeBob SquarePants flavoured meteor
4: which was like a well-intentioned reference to the guy who died yeah like there was calls for years for that Spongebob song which related to like a bubble bowl joke in the show to be yeah included Um, they didn't do
3: that they just did a a Spongebob aesthetic
4: yeah which people kind of were saying like nice thought to kind of honour your man that passed away um, the creator but kind of a bit half-hearted and like paying lip service without really delivering, which felt like the whole performance. Really, it
3: did. Yeah. <laughs> so Travis Scott showed up and helped out a little bit. Big Boy from Outkast showed up and <laughs> doing st- the
4: way the way you move from about what twelve years ago. But also, More? like
3: he effectively at one stage kind of briefly cast Adam Levine in the Three Stacks role. And yeah, like, you know, you've never seen a wider man.
4: But also, when you're getting in special guests to do songs where. Maybe more famous people are not there, like Drake or Tree Stacks. It's very apparent that no one is doing their parts properly. Do you know what I mean? It's like.
3: Yeah, it's like a run the jewels thing where you get away with Zach Delarocca not being there. You anticipate that he (laughs) won't be. So they went through their retinue and, you know, moved around, did some guitaring, got into the crowd, had people with these the kind of fucking like paper lanterns that you'd buy and like your mother would buy well the crowd the always and they weren't lighting up properly the crowd
4: either. is always a bit disconcerting because they're a real rent mob like they're very enthused they're plants. yeah. they're yeah. plants they're like yeah i don't know i think they spend the rest of mm-hmm. time just being like russian bots or something yeah it so was that's their day job the
3: truth is there's not much we can say about this because there really wasn't much to it the big takeaway for a lot of people was when adam levine ripped his shirt off yeah and a lot of people were like what about janet jackson's nipples why are yours okay
4: well, I think it was more his arms that drew my attention on second viewing on YouTube. You watched it twice, to, did you? Yeah, I did. Because, do you know what? The first time I stuck it on, I was kind of half doing something else. And it was not memorable in the slightest. I had nothing to say for the podcast. So I was like, I'll have to re-watch it.
3: Did you, worry, did you watch it instant John Peel? just bang it back on? <laughs> Two
4: plays, yeah.
3: You know what? That was so good. I'm going to play it
4: again. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. Or the game dome or whatever they call it. Dinner can wait. <laughs>
3: I have to watch this. So, yeah. He did moves like Jagger, your song.
4: Yeah. But it, it was all just sounded so... I mean, obviously, at these kind of live events, the sound is never going to translate great. There's an real atmosphere. And I've no hatred for Maroon 5. Um, the songs themselves are perfectly decent pop songs, but they just... I think their style of... Heavy hitter songs are quite generically romantic and sweet, as opposed to, I think, really, for Super Bowl, you need to go like you need to go all out anthemic, like born in the USA. I know that's a protest song, but you know, you need Bruce kind of, you need Tom Petty, like singing about like Elvis and Tom Brady, and all and like you know, having sex on a Harley Davidson. That's what you need.
3: Who would you book for next year, assuming that? everything gets smoothed over and people are like, Cool, like Kaepernick has got his justice and the NFL are
4: Oh like everyone's a happy family again. I not like hip hop is opened up.
3: But let's just say people had no objection to any act playing it. Is there anyone that know. you think would would excel in this role that hasn't done it before? I'm surprised like the Kanye. weekend. The weekend <laughs> if day.
4: everyone falls back in love with Kanye. Maybe he'll do it when he's president. <laughs> That's fair.
3: So I'm glad that you said, though, that, you know, you've no real hatred for Marine 5. Because I assume that you, uh, first of all, because you don't do social media, so I know you haven't seen this. Well, I do do social
4: media. Well, don't but do... as a job. <laughs> 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 I like, occasionally take to Twitter.
3: Okay. Yeah, well, this is an Instagram post. So. Oh, sorry. Uh, you have an Instagram account, but you never use it.
4: No. And I apparently have friends on it. Or is that what you call them? Followers. Thank you wow <laughs> no I know that I'm joking
3: so uh, Marine 5 presumably through the word of Adam Levine posted a, a heartfelt message after the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and he said when we accepted the responsibility to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show I took out my pen and I just wrote have you seen this do you know this no go okay, ahead I'm glad some of the words that came to me in that moment eventually made their way onto the incredible lanterns that flew high and low <laughs> we thank the universe for this historic <laughs> opportunity to play on the world's biggest stage we thank our fans for making our dreams possible. And we thank our critics for always pushing us to do better. One love. And then he says, and the list of words is. And there are many words, Craig. Can you guess? These are all one word, words. And they're about emotions and they're about, you know, kind of attitudes and things that he wrote down. He wrote all these down on a big, presumably massive canvas that he just carries around with them. For instances such as this, where he used to reflect on the, on the road. I want to see that. Like, there's, I can't. There's genuinely about twenty-five All to thirty right. words here. Can you guess any of them? I want to see if you can guess any of them. This is going to be great audio.
4: Hold on. So I'm just guessing random words.
3: Yep think about the emotions that he went through. And if you okay, put yourself. Th- this is actually a really good opportunity for you to do some kind of role play. Let's put I'm you I'm always
4: looking for a bit of that but I'm in a, alone in a room with you. Put you
3: in the shoes. First off, by the way. <laughs> He's in the corner filming. Let's put you in the shoes of Adam Levine. You've yeah. just come off stage at the Super Bowl. You know that people are mad at you. Yeah. But there's also people who think you're great as well. And it was a mm-hmm. big moment for you.
4: So, uh, should I get like avant-garde on this or should I be just looking for pure emotion
3: I think he could go
4: because I think he would have felt humbled that's not in there (laughs) that's a good guess um inspired uh no okay I thought that would have been in there it's not oh sorry inspire yeah
3: sorry inspire yeah
4: inspire so he's going for broad it's not all about him it's about the emotion okay yeah um humanity (laughs) Um, Faith. No. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
3: no. Um, Come on, like break it down to the basics here.
4: Music. No. Guitar. No. The basics of emotion. <laughs> that's the part, that's the episode title. Break it down to the basics of emotion. Um, uh, hunger. No. Love. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Sadness. Happiness. No. No. Joy. No. No joy? No. for what 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 you shame. If you're feeling
3: <laughs> Amazingly enough, no. If you're feeling joy, what do you Imagine do? Imagine
4: every word was just shame.
3: <laughs> if you're feeling joy, what do you do?
4: Happy. Smile. No. Hug.
3: No. Smile. Drink. What's the what's the upgrade of a smile? Laugh. Yes. Laughter. Laugh is in there. Laugh. Laugh, yeah.
4: Um. Tattoos. Abs.
3: No, no. Maybe two more guesses and we're going to have to move on.
4: Um, is there any reference to like car safety via the medium of a Bob Marley cover? <laughs> <laughs> because like I really feel like you should have drawn on his FIFA World Cup experience. I saw I wouldn't do
3: it but the list of words is forgive, laugh, cry, smile, share, live, endure, embrace, remember, <laughs> enlighten, persevere, inspire, sweat, fight, sweat. Express, give, receive, elevate,
4: climb. It's like Joey's speech from like fucking Chandler's wedding where it's like, love is about giving and receiving and holding and having. And yeah. The next two sound like metallic lyrics. Unify, fortify, <laughs> so- like- soften, dance. <laughs> Divide, destroy, eliminate. <laughs> scream,
3: dream, educate, provide. Inhale, exhale. Regular fucking Jordan Peterson over here. Yeah. Persevere. Which he has in here. Sorry, preserve was the early one. Persevere, stand, kneel. mm. Uh, Give him the call. Kneel, yeah. Uh, Overcome, love, and listen. So there you go. That has forty nine thousand. It's four hundred ninety six thousand four hundred nine likes. I'm not going to be the four hundred tenth. So there you go. That's that's what they're t- that's what they're. That is the most me. interesting thing about the performance. I thought so, <laughs> to be quite frank. Um, I thought so, and I think that this will be once again
4: a long episode of the show. <laughs> so we'll get on. We're to nearly the, on to the news. Yeah, we'll get the <laughs> we're, news. We're, we're nearly about to start. What do you have anything else for the preamble? Settle in. Uh, no, not really. I'm just glad to be here. Didn't know if I'd make it, having been deceased and all. <laughs> yeah, um, it's good to see you. Uh, yeah, I was uh, planning kind of half-heartedly to go to the Lemonheads last night, but obviously that didn't happen because I'm still not 100. percent but um, yeah, another example of me contemplating going to a gig, but not going. So I don't really have any Craig musical news.
3: I don't think I went to any gigs lately. Oh, there's plenty coming up though. We'll get there.
1: We
4: will get there.
3: We won't be going to Castle Palooza this year.
4: No, it's not on. Um, it's not going away permanently, thankfully. But it will not take place this year. Um, they're going to reimagine uh, the festival and come back with something bigger. Like Tim big, Burton's Planet of the Apes. Better, yeah. Um. Which sounds well and good, but there was kind of some, you know, movement on early bookings and things, so this doesn't, this seems a bit more spur of the moment than you would perhaps like.
3: Yeah, it does seem a little bit abrupt, because they had sold tickets and they had announced people, and I mean, like, to be fair, like, Caspalooza is run by some really fucking sound people, yeah. and it's been around for a while, it's got a cult reputation, Uh, people who go there fucking adore it, but I think this has been coming. I think this has been coming. Uh, that weekend is quite busy. Independence it's, is on the weekend. There's a lot weekend. of competition there. I think yeah, altogether, yeah. Now, altogether Now is now on the weekend which came about last year. And there's also some other kind of smaller stuff as well. Like
4: wetter, the weather conditions have hampered them a few times mm. over the past couple of years. I think it's just contributed to not as many or like a drop off and maybe people going and not getting people back then and possibly yeah
3: um, they're taking a break as, as they're saying and they're going to try and come back and do something different I mean like that can work knocking stock and took time off they're coming back uh, what else Glastonbury regularly takes time away and obviously it's a completely different scale yeah but you'd hope there could be some kind of reinvention but I think it needs to be a reinvention
4: yeah I mean it, there's this kind of built in cachet of just like the whole castle appeal it's a, apparently a stunning backdrop um, And it's been doing, yeah, really well for something that started. Remember, genuinely
3: sounded like your, uh, your commoner garden hot press news story.
4: I used to be a commoner garden. No, I used to be an <laughs> exceptional hot press <laughs> Stunning <laughs> journalist. Stunning Castle backdrop. Um, I remember interviewing Killian Stewart, who runs it. And like I believe he started it to just throw a 30th birthday for himself. That's true. Yep. So, I mean, when you start like that and for it to be running for, what, 13 years or whatever, I mean, it's it's done pretty well. It's a pretty extravagant 30th birthday party to drive yourself. I did not have a birthday party because who wants to have one of those when you're turning 30? But anyway. Jesus. I mean, really? Do you
3: want to go there? You want to talk about it, pal? Let's go there, yeah. Okay. My 30th sucked. You were there.
4: Uh, yeah if you <laughs> Those things aren't linked It right? ended really badly You had a, g- a Close gathering of yeah. A gathering of close friends It ended really badly it was, though it was like Yeah, it, yeah was.
3: Some, There was There was some crossed wires <laughs> um,
4: I had a good I had my fun There was a very I, I had a good time Sitcom Dave Ending yeah. into the evening yeah, Which we can't the really era of sitcom Dave.
3: Mike, But you know Ultimately
4: Maybe I followed your example and was just like Yeah nothing good can come of this I'll, I'll keep it low key I've gotten
3: better At birthday nights out In recent years Because I think I've managed To kind of dial it down and be like uh, you know fuck it like just don't have any expectations and just treat it like a night mm, yeah. out Yeah. stop going back to that melancholic wistful childhood well of innocence where you want to feel
4: magical because those days are over I love that as a sentence um, much boy. like Christmas which I, which I don't like I'm veering towards the dislike of Christmas at this point I think I was telling you that over the festive Ed, period I'm it was just ve- exhausting veering
3: towards the dislike of Christmas Ed,
4: Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe rejected works it's just a lot of hard work isn't it Unless you, you know, untangle yourself from all I of that. I really
3: don't want to be unsupportive here, but I'm going to make an executive decision to not talk about Christmas because it is the middle of... Not even the middle of February. <laughs> so, Will we move on
4: to the news? Yeah, I share your... Get sent- a bit more current. I share your sentiment,
3: but let's move on to 21 Savage, who has been having troubles of his own.
4: Yeah, I, I like your title on the running order.
3: I stole it from Mango. Okay, oh, okay. He tweeted out simply, 21 Sasanok
4: which is... Very good. Yeah, it took me a second, and I was like, oh, no, yeah. It's I not think my it's joke, so you can praise the, away. Thing. Well done, Mango. Yeah. Um, Mango, 21 Mango Savage is wittier than I am. 21 Savage has been, yeah, arrested and uh, taken into custody by the... Uh, do we just call them ICE? We I call them we ICE do, because, because we're cool. while
3: they may stand for bad things, they have the best acronym in the business.
4: <laughs> they do. Immigration ice. and Customs Enforcement in the US.
3: <laughs> Come on. I mean, like, if you were, like, that way inclined, and that was your job... I, you'd fucking walk around with that jacket on all the time. Oh totally, yeah. Hey baby. I work for I, ice. I'm guessing
4: there's merch. You can probably get a jacket. Sorry. But if you want to support the hip hop community. That maybe was you one
3: thing I can mention about Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh that last night while watching it with my housemate Richard, we uh, a running gag emerged where we kept referring to Freddie Mercury as Merck. And like <laughs> He's got kind <of> yeah. <laughs> in the film it was like, Come like, on, come on, Merck <laughs> Like Stop fooling around, Merck. Come back <laughs> to the band, Merck. And it sounds... It was funnier in the, like, being there and no, doing like it. No, I like it. I like can... it. But yeah, the surrealism... What I'm trying to say is that Bohemian Rhapsody, you really have to work hard to come up with your own material while Bohemian Rhapsody is on. Uh, as for 21 Savage, uh, he's had a difficult week, as I noted. Uh, but the real twist here, apart from his ill treatment... I'm it's that he's from the UK. is that he's not American. Yeah, he's
4: London-born and kind of bred... I think he was tw- around at the age of twelve. He moved to the US, um, with his parents and family. Um,
3: but is this like him being like completely targeted because he's affected? I, I would the, say
4: one hundred percent. Yes, because
3: number one, he's like criticised them, and two, he's a young, vulnerable black man. Like they're not going to come after fucking Ed Sheeran if Ed Sheeran was like living there illegally or something like you it, know.
4: No, it 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 seems like a case of someone being singled out for sure, uh, being made an example of, um, and just people in the wonderful ice squad with a chip on her shoulder. Um, And, you know, it's not like he just rocked up in the U.S. and was like, I'm going to take this place by storm. I'm a grown man. Like, he is, you know, on moral grounds, a U.S. citizen. He's, you know, was brought there as a child. He's gone through schooling there. He's probably paid a huge amount of tax there. I don't know, maybe hopefully he's got that stuff in order, I don't know. You don't have access <laughs> to those records, do you? I don't, no, right. I'm, not his, I'm not part of his representation. Yeah, I'm on
3: his side by default here, basically. Yeah, of course, yeah. Also, do you reckon, like, Ice... I assume they have, like, a clubhouse. Do you reckon they call it the Ice Rink?
4: Because <laughs> yeah. if they don't... Probably. Then what's the whole
3: point? <laughs> what you know? is the point of Ice How does this end? I mean, I guess he's got material now for an album's worth. Yeah, like,
4: um, most definitely. I mean... I don't really know how it ends. He's in a bit of a—he's probably in a bit of a legal quagmire for he's a while. In a for sure, yeah. I don't know what Ice particularly get out of this, except for a whole heap of bad publicity. Um, but they don't care. No, they don't care. But what, like, what, to what? Yeah, to what end for them, really? Like just flexing just their muscles, be, uh,
3: mm. like putting the guy in his place, basically, like fucking uh, exercising oppressive bullshit. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Ice, come and get me.
4: Yeah, like, for, you know, it's, it should be pointed out that he wasn't in deportation proceedings prior to being detained by ICE. I don't know if he was held at the ICE rink. But <laughs> um, Even that sentence, so, it, prior to being detained by ICE.
3: Like, it, do, it
4: does seem like there was no incident that, you know what I mean, uh, inflamed a situation or brought this to light for them. It was very much a targeted thing. So i just yeah. sorry, I'm
3: just imagining a guy quipping now, being like, get your, get your skates on. Because you go uh, to the ice rink. Yeah,
4: like I. But I. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's so. It's so bad. I'm not quite sure <laughs> if it's a case of um him having to stay there, and like if he ever goes on tour, he can never get back in, or if he is running the risk of being. Remember, of the Creator had actively, actively had a weird deported. UK well, that was because teaser, um of claims about his homophobia and hate speech in his lyrics wasn't it it was a yeah, very and
3: again that's a case of like well you know you could go after a lot of people with this you could not of course yeah that greater. was another be... example thing yeah
4: not good uh, go after example yeah your mate <laughs> my best mate example so as noted good I didn't
3: guy. come up with the headline for that last one but I have come up with the headline for this one Craig so you can praise away
4: Andy, you're a star. That's right. It's, um, it's nice, <laughs> a nice a reference to the killers there. Regular Andy King update on the podcast. Fire um, Festival. We, we can't get away from it. We can't. And yeah, perhaps the most shocking moment from um, Hulu and Netflix competing Fire Festival documentaries came when Andy King, a veteran uh, event producer... Basically, (laughs) recounted a tale... trying to find the words here. (laughs) Recounted a tale where... He's a meme, Greg. Detainment of... You don't need to dress this up. Let me finish this. (laughs) Which I I don't think he had to say in the end, which is good. Um, The detainment of Evian water truck spurred by um, Billy McFarland, um, the villain of the scene. Um, Basically, he was encouraged as their wonderful gay leader to prepare to suck dick to fix this water problem, which he was apparently willing to do. So luckily did not have to demean himself. It was a whole horrible thing. He came across like an absolutely lovely guy and continues to do so and reap the benefits as well he should.
3: Yes, all of which brings us to the news that he's getting his own TV show. So there you go. Uh, I think it should be called Take One for the Team. And it should
4: be a series of challenges. Like, yeah. I think the catchphrases are already taken care of. Um, Well, he said that he did an interview and said that... uh, He (laughs) started (laughs) referencing the Carol Burnett show, which I was not expecting.
3: Yeah, because he was talking to Vanity Fair and to a journalist who, I guess, was in in her 20s or something, and he said, I've had three TV show offers this week from notable networks. He said, you're probably too young to remember this, but in the old world of television, it was the Carol Burnett show and these fun, lighthearted shows that weren't all crime-related. And he said, you see the attractiveness of home and garden television today. People love Flipper Flop or Fixer Upper. (laughs) I've never heard of them. Let's just say it's going to be a show about hosting crazy events. What it takes to make them happen. There'll be cliffhangers and you'll get to follow me around and see how I pull them off. Once again, (laughs) he is Tobias from Arrested Development. Like, this is what this is. He keeps doing it. He keeps fucking doing it. And I'm like, I I don't think he realises.
4: I'm watching this show
3: so yeah um, he's also been offered to be the star of various water company advertising I can a
4: picture of the ads right now um, so many ways you could spin it that's quite the brief to get did you see the meme
3: that was doing the rounds where it was like select your payment method yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Visa, MasterCard American Express and then his face like
4: it's a, we shouldn't really um, joke about it, but no, he's it's taking her- it, no, it's it, like, it's, it. It's
3: because the of the manner
2: he's taking but it. This, in is, and, this yeah. is
3: the weird thing because no, I remember, dude, when I when I spoke about the Fire Festival documentary before the world had seen it, I said that that scene genuinely left me quite shaken. Yeah, but the narrative has been refocused by him in the previous and also by the internet in general. I feel like people who are like laughing at it are genuinely laughing with
4: him. Yes, hundred percent. Which, so. to
3: be fair, could have gone the other way. And people generally have kind of been like, "This guy's a legend. He's great." It's so. I think it's one of those jokes that's just so surreal that you can't help but just like fall down laughing at it. Yeah. Um, For example, and you know we're not going to get to this too much, but like the Liam Neeson interview that took place this week, which we I'm sure everyone is aware of. Like I found myself like. Uh, just like the imagery of this I was I I laughed because I was like I can't I've never in my brain imagined this scenario it's so bizarre yeah, to
4: me I think I had that moment when you added John Barnes defending him and calling out Winston Churchill on live TV I was just like yeah but it was like what John Barnes world are we living in on
3: Sky News calling Winston Churchill a white supremacist yeah. and pointing out Mass that murderer.
4: whatever you say about Liam Neeson at least he was coming from at the very least because you can talk about what was Liam Neeson thinking? But at least he's coming from a place of I felt terrible at myself, trying to move towards some kind of apology. Whereas you know, someone like Winston Churchill is still lionized, even though he was a psychopath. <laughs> um, harbored some really r- disgusting views, which got a lot of people killed, in fairness. Um, so, yeah, that was, was... Will we move on from the Liam Neeson We will. Story? I will just say that, like, you know, again,
3: these things tend to yield a lot of things, for example, the think pieces that are still being generated. And yeah. also, there was some hilarious reaction where, like, some people on Twitter were saying stuff like, oh, my, my first day as Liam Neeson's publicist is going well. Someone else said, if I was Liam Neeson's publicist, I would pull the fire alarm in that moment. Sprinkler's on, total evacuation, no questions asked.
4: What I love is, like, it wasn't even some, like, Pro- first of all he wasn't caught talking about it second of all it wasn't even a probing interview where you know someone just got it out of him it was one of these like run of the mill you know your film is coming out so just do a quick ch- you know chat Yeah. and he picks this time to, <laughs> to unveil this, this dark story. Yeah.
3: and also like there was another one where someone was like you know interviewer and it was so what was it like working with so many celebrities and then <laughs> Liam Neeson I did 9-11 <laughs> Someone pointed this out to me, uh, I f- apologise, I forget who, because it was as recently as last night, but I'm just, you know, a bit wrecked. And they said, this is literally the life is Short Sketch, except much worse oh, yeah, and yeah. real. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, he's been cancelled, as has Kelsey Carter, who we talked about last week when she went viral after posting a photograph of a Harry Styles tattoo on her face. Yeah. Now, Dahi did say... There would be an update to the story, and he was proved right when, of course, she took it to social media to reveal it wasn't real at all.
4: Yeah, as I wrote here as a headline Truth behind Harry Styles' Tat revealed an artist shame, sham, face, art shocker. You're really going for the <laughs> tabloid on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm glad Dohi spoke up um, with his questioning ways. Uh, spoke truth to power about yeah, the Harry Styles' situation. Because we would have been, um, we would have had, you know we would have looked like absolute buffoons because this has all been a publicity stunt. And it's worked. Um, And she's basically said, you know, in this video titled How I Rocked the Entire World for $300, she admitted it was part of a marketing campaign to get people to listen to her new song. She revealed in the clip, what would the rock legends that inspired me have done in 2019
3: did well, you listen <laughs> to the song? I didn't listen to the No, I didn't. didn't I work. It. didn't work I on me.
4: I refuse. Yeah. Pull this off. We needed a celebrity tattoo artist, she continued, to make it look real.
3: She has received a lot of hatred for this. Yeah. And continues to. Uh, how about we pivot to something that happened to me during the week? Okay. In which, uh, on Monday, I received an email, a lengthy email, about a review I wrote of the Harry Styles debut album, which came out in May of 2017. So... It, that's the funny thing about these things. If you write about a Harry Styles or a Daft Punk or, God forbid, the Stripes, people will find it eventually if they don't find it They will away, find you.
2: <laughs>
3: appropriate. And they will email you. Go and, on. And they will kill you. Uh, <laughs> and essentially, I got this long email. This is my life, Craig. Go on. So I'm going to read it in full. I'm not going to read the ending of the email because the ending is bizarre, but I'll tell you what it is. Dear Mr. Hanrady, I read the article you wrote for the online magazine, drowned in sound, in quote marks, that reviewed Harry Styles' self-titled debut album. The remarks made about the album not having, quote, a single trace of Harry Styles' the person on any of the feature songs seems unfair considering this is his first solo album. I assume your idea of who Harry Styles is comes from his previous work in One Direction, and that's why you say his album is a series of impressions, as his solo album differs from the band's sound. This can make it difficult for some to trace back Styles' writing and musicality throughout his years in the spotlight. Hopefully the following... Reiterates exactly where this self-titled album came from. One Direction released five albums over the course of five years. Their first two albums, Up All Night and Take Me Home, were written by a writing team with little help from the actual members of the band. Only six of the songs of these two albums gave credit to the band members, including <laughs> Styles. Feel free to interrupt any time, but like, this is actually real. I no, genuinely, go ahead, go ahead. However... i these points. On the last three albums, Midnight Memories, Four, and Made in the AM, the song was written primarily by the band. After reviewing the credits for the last three albums, you can see that when writing for the band, Styles typically worked on his own. It's in these songs that you can see the hard rock vibe or extremely emotional ballads that Styles fills his album with have been part of his writing from the very beginning. Prime examples include Stockholm Syndrome from the album Four that has a steady pop rock drum beat or the tear jerking If I Could Fly from the band's last album. I had the privilege to see Styles perform the album live, where he added the two previously mentioned songs to his set list and they flowed together It's
4: very Partridge there the two previously mentioned songs like it's just how convoluted it is I love it <laughs>
3: They flowed together with the album beautifully The tour was filled with different lights and Styles actually changed the tempo of some songs to make them more suitable for being performed to me This confirms the fact that Styles' album is 100% Harry Edward Styles from the beginning to the end to take away the emotions, story and bravery that went into making this album and writing it off as a bunch of, quote, impressions, is wrong and degrading to everyone who had a hand in making it. Overall, this exceeded expectations and had extreme amounts of success, which resulted in two world tours that included two sold-out nights in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not to mention the <laughs> fact that the album debuted at number one in 84 countries upon its release. So what do you know, <laughs> And finally, I think your review took away from the beauty of this album, and that to really love this album, you have to give it more of a chance than you actually did. Sincerely, a person who will not be named. And then there's well, yeah. academic referencing at the very end, citing what was what was searched and, and researched in here, including my own review. So that's me put... I in.
4: mean, to be honest, I feel like I said all of that on the podcast review, so I don't know, I can only apologise again for... You know, saying it in that email, I Uh, I regret writing it. I got that
3: email at four thirty eight in the morning on Monday. I assume you again. Apologies. You're in the throes. You're you're in In the the throes of a fever (laughs) dream, (laughs) and you're like
4: it's time I like that the, the impact of your words that line where they talk about it's it took gra- it took grading. away from the beauty of the album yeah. so the album is damaged just as a separate entity forever see, this is the a thing. job well done
3: but I've had Harry Styles fans come at me on Twitter before and they're like we found him the the guy who wrote the one bad review the meta score is down because of you Jesse J fans did the same thing to me years ago and also I wasn't the only person who wrote a negative Harry Styles review and for the record right much like Zane, I want the best for Harry Styles. As do we all. Uh, to the point where, Craig, you like this, right? So you know that novel I'm never going to write. Mm.
4: The yeah, one that i looking r- forward to it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the one that I've written like occasional sections of. Yeah. So because I haven't written the novel and probably never will, I have, of course, in my head cast the movie adaptation of it. Yeah.
4: And I've well, ca- you feel like you start with that, right? <laughs> and I've cast
3: I've cast Harry Styles in it. As a, as a character that I think would stretch his range.
4: Okay. And what age is this character? Because by the time you finish it and Gosh, get it yeah, yeah,
3: he'll be like 60. And I'll be uh, uh, like one foot in the grave. Um, yeah. mm. And And like, th- this is the truth, though. And of course, once again, much like you dying, I've ran with this narrative into like several different cities. And effectively, I've imagined myself on a press junket Sitting down with Harry Styles, cracking a bottle of champagne open, and someone going, Do you know he wrote this review of you back in twenty seventeen? Wow. Thus ruining the whole thing.
4: That's a magical thought. And, and that's why it comes true. I can never finish the book. <laughs> <laughs> so Wow, well, that's on that bombshell. Speaking we'll of move on to, Yeah, we'll move on to <laughs> someone else we only wish the best for. Um Dido. And also her son, who was called Stan, I was shocked to learn this week. What? Did you know this? No. It's come to light. Um, It's quite a step down from Dido and Rollo, isn't it? Yeah, I believe Stanley was born back in 2011. Stanley now, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I believe that was on the Burt's Earth. I I haven't seen the documents, but yes. Um, Of course, the star that is Dido lent her vocals to the 2000 track from Eminem, remixing lyrics from her solo single, Thank You. Stan was, as we know now, a massive hit. And over a decade later, she chose that specific name for a song that has... I would say probably negative connotations, um, right? Yes. To society put upon at large. her yeah, but to p- give to her son. Um she's confirmed though she was um on ITV's Lorraine. I don't know if you caught that episode. That has nothing that to do with one, the song. Yeah. Um When I was a teenager, Dido says, I was with my mate. I remember sitting on a wall and they were like, what are you going to call your kid? And I was like, Stanley, she said. Bizarrely, when I met my husband, that was the name that was his favourite for different reasons. Now, maybe it could be some weird cosmic thing of like, the name Stan bringing her good luck. You could... You know, if you're into, I, I don't know, Kabbalah or are you, something.
3: Are you, are you going full Noel Edmonds on me? I'm your, going
4: magical thinking. I'm cause going me, Edmonds. Cause my question. I'm going Deal or No Deal. Dave, <laughs> <Are you> in or <laughs> <me>
3: out? <laughs> where did you, real quick? Where did you stand on Deal or No Deal during its? Epic I've, run? Oh
4: my god, I was like addicted to that. That shit show for is like so six months. Stupid. I know, but it's brilliant well it was initially right just because of like what strategy are you going to play? I know but do you know what it reminded me of do you remember you'd hear about like those dancing fever fevers people back in like medieval times would get like some medieval village in like Britain would get this kind of compulsion where everyone started dancing until they died this just kind of mass <laughs> lunacy that was deal or no deal <laughs> where people just got into the thing of like they thought they knew what was in the box or they thought it was some strategy yeah All spurred on by Edmonds Who was just like Who
3: fucking enabled it There's a great piece By John Ronson On The Guardian From 2006 Everyone should go and read Which really exposes The lunacy of it all Uh, In the and finally corner Of the news section this week Billy Corgan Smashing Pumpkins In a rare positive news story Greg He has been reunited Being
4: reunited With his long lost Fender Stratocaster From the band's Gish era um, the guitar which Kur- Kurgan purchased from his bandmate Jimmy Chamberlain around 89 or 1990, we don't know, was stolen after a show in Detroit in 1992. It's finally resurfaced, Um, which is, uh, you know, in terms of magical thinking, Corgan's talked to the Rolling Stones and he said, I always felt the guitar would come back to me when it was time. And I know that sounds strange, but today didn't surprise me. I always felt the guitar would come back. Well, uh, two
3: possible. things here. One, yeah. I like that you said that he talked to the Rolling Stones. It was Rolling... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Rolling Stone magazine. I don't think... Mick These January notes are very room.
4: bunch together. I was, I was stumbling.
3: And that quote is <laughs> when he goes, and I know that sounds strange, but <laughs> today is... <laughs> it's like, come on, man. I'm just happy to see him like having a fucking positive news story for once because it's always bad with him. It's always miserable. Yeah.
4: And didn't he put the word out for um the little girls on the cover of Siamese dream and oh yeah. just i don't think they ever found them they was like wanted to do some anniversary thing oh i thought
3: they did find them i, I believe
4: he put out he put out a, like a rumor or something or said that like their new basis was actually a girl or some not it wasn't there some weird story he floated around but uh, yeah totally. i don't i think legitimately he didn't so
2: mm.
3: all right greg it's time for an interview let's do it i'm hype So the second album from Talos, Far Out Dust, is out now. It's really fucking good. It's well worth your ears. I had the chance to catch up with Owen French, the man behind Talos, during the week in a busy hotel. So that's why there's going to be some background noise in this remote interview that you're going to hear. Bear with me, listener. I'm still finding my bearings as a podcaster three years in. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this chat. Owen's a cool guy and the album's great. So check it out after you listen to this. I hope you enjoy. So, uh, essentially, how's it going, Man, What's go the on man. Uh, I guess. Real quick, the first thing I want to ask you though is: you opened for a Perfect Circle a while ago. Yeah, like that's one of my favorite bands growing up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I remember like seeing the announcement for that gig and freaking out and being like, <laughs> oh, "I gotta go!" And I <laughs> couldn't get over. So, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just curious as to how their audience took you in.
1: Um, well, it was it was definitely it was uh, it was definitely mixed. It started it started quite. Um, I think we we were very aware that it was like a. Super, like complete polar opposites in sound, in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe Perfect Circus is probably closer than Tool, but at the same time, like you know, we're dealing with a very different audience. So, so we definitely tailored the set a bit, it's definitely a bit heavier. But I remember the first gig we played was pretty nerve wracking. And as we went on, I think we just, I suppose, you it's you just kind of go out and do it a bit more, you know, it's you kind of like. Off off your chest and you're like okay well, let's let's kind of give it to them a bit and then by the end of it it was really really positive actually you know by the end of it kind of people were really like buying into it and uh, yeah it was it was like amazing kind of set of gigs actually
3: yeah they're like a prog rock band it's very yeah. kind of patienty stuff I mean like, I guess yeah. it's not a million miles away from what you do but I mean ultimately no. it might be jarring for it but I, I, I'm always for it Bills that don't just have the same act three times. Yeah. Uh, did you interact much with the band? Because like I've uh, get- we
1: met, um, we met everybody except Maynard. That sounds uh, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're they're actually really really nice. Everybody was amazing. Like they all came into into the dressing room on the second last night of the show and were kind of just hanging out a bit. So yeah, it was like super positive, you know. Deadly. And to play those, like it was the first time playing like venues of that scale, which was a bit mad like you know at which point though you'd written some of the new material i guess yeah
3: which to me sounds designed for a bigger and a kind of brighter yeah, yeah thank
1: you yeah 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 i think that, that that was definitely in the back of the mind i think like with this record i was especially that the the last record kind of came at the very beginning of us having a six-piece band so still kind of getting used to the idea but it, it was very much a bedroom record i suppose and just like me Whereas I think with this with this record, I was, there was definitely something in the back of the mind continuously that I was like thinking of at life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That we have, okay, like I have six people on stage, you know, utilize that and ha- like had that in the back of my mind when I was like producing it, I suppose, or, or making it, you know? Yeah, so. and I mean, with regards
3: to like, it's it's very cinematic in scope, the new record. Like the last one was too, of course, but this does feel like more kind of are actually leaning into uh, even more kind of poppier spheres. And yeah. Was this
1: something that you kind of always wanted to do or hundred, yeah. it did it happen naturally? But no, 100%. I mean, like, the first thing that I wrote down... So, so like, we came out of the Wild Elite thing and I made DP. The EP. Then there was War, which was, like, the full stop. And it was kind of, like, purposefully, like, the kind of destruction of what came before to, like, find the level and then go again. And the first thing I wrote down before starting this... the Far Out Dust record was that this is going to be a pop record. So it was like, that was super conscious, like that was the thing that was the main focus going in. But it had to be the right type of pop record, you know what I mean, like it had to have integrity. And you tread such a like, uh, like there's such a thin line between like kind of something really worthwhile and thought about and Candy Floss. And that was, that was what we did, I think, you know.
3: Yeah, there's no trend chasing on it, happily, like there's no like tropical no. house drums or... No. Tra- tra- trap beats, <laughs> no. which seems to be... No, there's
1: like a sneak of a trap hat in there at a point, but it's well hidden, so yeah. Uh, no, it's no, interesting, because
3: no. I mean like, first of all, I've been calling Wild Ali, Wild Ali for oh, yeah, yeah. way too long. Yeah, so it's all right. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, I've man, it's uh, Neil, look. it's all good. But I've, it, I've, it, was, <laughs> uh,
3: it was choice nominated, of course, yeah. last year, and I was actually on the, the judging panel. Yeah, so. I, met, I actually met you
1: at that, I think. Yeah, I did, Yeah, yeah I met you yeah, after, yeah, so I think I apologise to you then. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry now <laughs> no I listen I to be honest with you with, with things like that like and I know it's it, it, uh, you don't shy away from the fact that it's, uh, it obviously would be amazing to win it but like you know like you're you know you're in there with like incredible records mm-hmm. and I think that being recognised that that is is something that I'm proud of like and very happy about obviously it would have been amazing to win but look there's plenty more albums to come I suppose yeah, yeah i mean like
3: i can't really divulge what went down in the room and i and like i'll be killed for even saying this <laughs> but i but one thing i would say cuz it wasn't necessarily like a knock but it was one one thing that did come up in the discussions was with mm-hmm. the, the idea of the album as being like hermetically sealed and kind of perfect yeah. yeah but maybe
1: too perfect
3: and i feel like with this album it does feel more expansive it does feel more yeah. like you've broken out of something
1: yeah thank you
3: like is that is that a fair reflection i i I think it is
1: i i mean we really did and i I, you know the the ep even was such a left turn like we we were really aware of the shortcomings of the record and i think because it was something that was made over like three and a half years um there was definitely like and i think looking back now there was definitely like a fear associated with making that album Like, I was very aware that, like, I wanted people to like it. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was really, really considered. Whereas this record, like, I I think as well, what really helped was the time constraints in this album. I had to, like, just trust what I was making. You know what I mean? I had to, like, be like, okay, look, I can actually make music and just do it. As opposed to, like, the last album was, like, you know, surgical, like, at points, like, so.
3: You know, my headline now is going to be Talos just wants to be loved. (laughs)
1: don't do that <laughs> the temptation yeah though. exactly it's right maybe it's right there no, it's won't. right there
3: I, I don't write for a red top yeah. so. but you know two yeah. page spreads
1: that's alright love Lauren yeah 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 exactly Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no yeah. to
3: be fair I mean even like the idea of press something that kind of followed you around quite a lot with the first record was mm. the architect background yeah. that was in every press release it was in every review yeah. it was in every news story I'm sure I've done it myself I guess what I want to ask you is are you happy to finally leave that
1: behind yeah. now yeah I mean I've look i I think, yeah, it just became a thing i, d- I don 't know when it was mentioned or how it was mentioned, but yeah, i mean uh, in in reality, like architecture was something that I studied and 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 dipped in and out of, but like you know i've i 've never put anywhere close to the same amount of time into it that I have into this, you know, and it 's something I love like i 'm like very enamored by the craft of architecture, but the problem is, is that it 's not really an art form anymore, you know it 's like you know, strangled by legislation and stuff and it's very rare you see like anything that is moving in architect architecture. And architects are you know, kind of tough people to get along with at times as well. Is know. that right? Ah yeah, they're, you know <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs>
3: I mean like to be the one thing I would say, well it absolutely was ran into the ground of course, uh it's such a hook for a journalist writing about music yeah like it's such a like a projection of like oh because he's he look like he's building worlds man.
1: yeah 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 so like, well I, I mean I like no, well what, what I would say is that the like my college experience of architecture definitely like was was pivotal in, in, in like how I make stuff um and like in particular like kind of doing the last year which was much more like a freer um a kind of a like in, it was something that you just explore yourself so it was like your final year is whatever project you wanted and we we had a guy Jason O'Shocknessy he was a guy that I actually still kind of collaborate with and kind of do certain projects with at times design projects um, who was quite forward thinking and it was a very different like it was a very different kind of architectural like educational space to be in that in comparison to anything else in Ireland you know what I mean so super progressive so that that kind of helped. I Despite think. the kind of looser approach, though, I mean, like, would you would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Is that too arch a tag to put on you? Definitely was. Anyway, a hundred percent. I think with this, I think I think I've gotten to the point that um, I've I've found it. I've, I'm beginning to find it a lot easier to just let let something be what it is. You know what I mean? And it, it definitely with this record is something that you know we kind of did a lot, and Ross would have done a lot is that like we have something that sounds kind of really expensive or rich or like very kind of like inverted commas perfect you know what I mean and then next to it is something really shit that's like run through a shitty tape machine or is like a really terrible like Casio synth but that kind of contradiction kind of holds onto the handmade feel I think or something which was important I think
3: yeah one thing I really like about the record is that like it's clearly inspired by travels and kind of seeing more of the world and mm-hmm. having experience and I think life experience of course dictates so much of what you will do next yeah but there isn't the obvious Backstreet
1: Boys coming home from tour song on no, there I hope. no I hope not Jesus <laughs> I really do hope not <laughs> yeah no no 100% I think I think it was more about the fact that um, you know it was just such a m- manic it was like a really really mad year like you know and um I think we were like continuously like uprooted and kind of scattered and 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 then within that you had to find you know space and you know draw from something to to make this record or whatever it was and you know the obvious thing is to just make it about this kind of situation, and that's that's basically what it is you know it's It's kind of a record that documents like. Complete bewilderment or something, you know what I mean? That's and it was is that's where I kind of found myself a lot of this year. I think that's a tough place to find yourself grounded. In, I'd imagine one hundred percent. And and that, and I think this this making this album was what grounded me. I suppose really, you know.
3: Do you find like meeting people, whether it's Irish people, whether it's abroad or whatever, fans after gigs and so mm-hmm. on? People are disarmed by your your normal voice versus your yeah. voice because it's quite the contrast. Yeah,
1: I've I've been yeah, um, like a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at the last Saint, we, we did two shows in Dublin and Saint Anne's last year. And I was standing at the the merch stand, and a girl came up to me, and I just said, "Oh, thank, you know, thanks for coming." And she was like, what, "What's going on here?" And then she was like, "Oh, you know, you probably shouldn't speak. Actually, just keep singing." I was like, okay. <laughs> "Did she say
2: that?" <laughs> that's so fucking rude yeah
1: well no, not I, th- I thought it was kind of hilarious actually to be honest but yeah it is what it is Jesus
3: yeah I, I, I guess you know the trappings of home and all yeah. that kind of stuff sorry speaking of um, I've heard like mythical stories like possibly apocryphal tales yeah uh, okay well first of all did you used to play rugby or do you have like a ah oh, like was a kid a yeah, bit, yeah. Ah, yeah like I, like, I've been told stories years. of like these kind of rugby loving lads who go to your gigs <laughs> your own personal squad and <laughs> not,
1: go, not go any go not in. any more. I think that was like that was very very early that was even in the band before this I think okay
3: so they're banned from the gigs basically because I've heard no, that they go down no, the front no, and, they, no. and they scream your name and no they, I
1: think that was like once that was once ever I think so yeah I, that, that was it's a myth a long long kind of quashed erased myth <laughs> it's such a good story <laughs> yeah it is it? it was pretty <laughs> embarrassing but funny at the same time I suppose looking back it's funny though no, i suppose yeah
3: what do you get from those gigs though And you mentioned like like the church gigs for example yeah i mean like, like like what do you get from just kind of sinking into that moment because a lot of people have described the Talos gig as a, a, an experience yeah as opposed to just like your standard you know lots of guitars yeah night out.
1: well i think it's uh, i mean Watson, like, I I I we kind of consciously wanted to feel different to the album. You know, it's a very, I suppose it's a very David Byrne thing, like he talks about it in How Music Works, that it's, you know, two very different spaces, so tr- you know treated as so, and very, like, aware of that. I think as well as the fact that, like, all of the records are, like, really, really solitary kind of endeavours. Um, very much, like, you know, on my own for, like, a lot of it. The 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 gigs are kind of celebratory in a way or like kind of more communal where you know like, there's five guys you now that that play with me and I I kind of take the reins off and that you know they interpret a lot of it so it's quite of a it's it's a lot freer in in parts obviously is very specific like the the new album is probably going to be a bit more specific because it's 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 kind of like that it's kind of leaning that more way but yeah I, th- I think it's like a it's kind of a Communal end or something to like something that's, that's the word really, I was going to use. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it
3: sounds like, I, like I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. Don't mean to put words in your mouth, random, but it sounds like the Owen of three or four years ago couldn't imagine
1: that happening. No, no, no. And I'm, I'm so lucky to like th- these guys. Like have have like really changed even how I think about making music. You know what I mean? And and uh, su- like super super generous with their time. Like completely just endeavoured to make this thing better and and you know luckily now it's getting to the point that like you know they you know and that's that's the hard the hard reality about it you know they they're they're making some money back off it you know which is which is kind of cool but and it's not even about that for them it's just more about like they really believe in what it is and they really believe in what we do live and i think we all kind of get something from it and i think that's the thing is that what i'd like to think is people just get a look into like probably how we Art together or, or something in a sense, you know. So does that mean that they're all going to America with you? Or? Yeah, yeah, all coming. Yeah, it's yeah. a road trip. <laughs> yeah, except one. One guy has to stay here unfortunately. He's got a he's got a business and stuff. Dave and uh he'll come next year. I think is is probably he's looking to try and get some time off to come. So
3: how are you feeling about that kind of switch? Because you're moving over for what half a year or so? Is that the plan? I,
1: well, I, it'll be the bones of that actually. When it comes to the end of next year, yeah, I think it'll be like between five and six months that I've spent over there. So it'll be full on, but i 'm excited you know I mean the, while I was making the album, all of my friends and all of my school friends did the whole traveling thing, so I was you know sitting in a room in Cork, writing music and probably writing about the fact that i wasn 't able to travel while they were all kind of traveling and know it 's completely the opposite thing, so i 'm really excited about it. I think one thing that I have realized quite quickly is that you know cork is is definitely still the base or something. Mm. And that I'll always kind of come back to that or something, you know. Are so. you saying it's the it's the real capital? It's the re- oh yeah, it's re- yeah, we have to say that.
3: I get in so much trouble because I've like I've I- I've referred to it like playfully, playfully yeah. as the big town with a hill. Uh
1: well, no that's. Yeah, it's a big town, yeah. I mean, I'd never With say a it's a city. It's not a city. Oh, With a really? hill. It's got a hill. That's my other headline. Yeah, it's not T- a, D- not a city? D- no. D- city. I'll never be able to show my face again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't do it. Okay, so I guess yeah. lastly, yeah.
3: Is there any one track
1: on the album that like encapsulates the, the whole experience of making this album for you? Well, I, it, it's funny. Uh, I'll, probably, I'll, I'll maybe dip into two if that's cool. The, the, the title track on the album definitely epitomizes... The sound of the record, Far Out Dust, Um, and I think the the very the opening track, Boy Was I Wrong, is actually very literally about the process of making it. So I mean, there was that continuous thing, especially the fact that we had that like top line of like, okay, this is or like that that kind of first sentence of this is going to be a pop record, is like there was so many moments that were like, what are we doing? Do you know what I mean? And because like we uh, like I endeavoured to make something so different to the last thing, I was like like is this the right thing like and that that was that, I think that was boy was I wrong was like something that was probably thought about a lot, but luckily is kind of contradictory to how I feel now. I think you know I'm, I'm kind of very proud of it as a piece of work, and I think we we kind of threaded that line. Um, quite well actually between mm. like holding on to kind of integrity and something that feels really infectious or something you know? uh,
3: well look it's a hell of an opener and it's a great thank album you, man. Congratulations, thank you, man and thanks so much for talking to me appreciate, appreciate it. it thank you man cheers dude thank you. so that was Talos a beautiful man and uh, a very interesting dude as well I very much enjoy catching up with him and as noted at the start of that as well do check out that album he's fucking knocked it out of the park
4: moving on with the show okay now Dave it is time for your songs of the week my songs of the week which will be crowned song of the week gives a number uno it's Beck it's Robin and it's The Lonely Island Dir-
2: so <Wilson> incredible woohoo unbelievable super cool our pages and amazing phenomenal fantastic so incredible woohoo we gotta bring both sides together like champagne and leather like birds of a feather we're flying like rain under sun today. Like a million dollars that you're giving away. Like a slave dog on the free wind. We'll
4: fly. Whoa. Like a that was super cool, not my opinion, the title of the track. Um and that's taken from the second leg the Lego movie, I believe, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um Lego movie the second. Yeah, it's quite the you know team up um a lot of big names i like the meta aspects of it that the lonely island bring to it where they recognize that it's going to be shown over some credits so they just draw attention to the credits of the film i thought that was quite clever otherwise beck now kind of moves between this weird like acoustic pastoral sensitivity or kind of cheesy disco yeah he's been doing that for a bit hasn't he which i guess fits in with robin's vibe i won't say cheesy but all out disco
3: You're making a mess of this, uh, but to be fair, it's a messy song. It um, is. So this is from Lego Movie 2, and I guess it's meant to be like the new kind of hip, cool song that will follow that Everything is Awesome one. Yes. That everybody was obsessed with. Can I make a confession? I've never heard that song.
4: What? If I've Not heard Not even it, an inter- interpretation, because there's I've, been many parodies. If I've gone. heard it,
3: then I didn't recognize what it was. I've managed to avoid that somewhere. I never saw the Lego Movie. Um, no, I, no I, I.
4: I believe it got good notices. Yeah,
3: I did. Yeah, I'm not against Lego. I enjoyed Lego <laughs> when, when, when I was young. Um, <laughs> more of
4: a dupe blog on a guy.
3: <laughs> more of a what? What was the? There was like a weird like, gr- like fake Lego. No, there was like a young adult Off-brand version of <laughs> Lego. Like you know, that was like the Harry Potter books with the adult covers. I forget what it was called. It wasn't like uh, a Meccano, Oh, no, okay. It, it was like a proper Lego. It was like Technics. Things called Lego Technics. Okay, and yeah. It was yeah. like you know that's what your older brother would do. Um. So essentially. Yeah, like it's yeah, like it's it's going for the kind of Sunshine Pop weird uh stuff. I didn't dislike it at all. I actually found it kind of like fun and moving and engaging. I think it works totally well for what it's supposed to be. I mean like if anything, I thought when Andy Sandberg
4: crashed in with
3: his, yo man, this is the credits and we we like the credits and we're gonna see his editing the thing and like eh, I was like, Yeah, I mean like you know, I can do without that.
4: Like it got a chuckle from me and the song it's, wasn't really doing fine. it.
3: It's fine. like but it's not meant to be. This is barely a song. I love the way that you're like trying to like be like, Oh, Beck's, you know, kind of versatility slash where is he at in his career this is a cash grab
4: yeah I know but it's it's a cash grab but it's not I don't know it's it's a representative of a lot of what he's been doing and there's it's not a million miles away from songs he's put out that he's clearly kind of do you know what I mean I don't, I don't really see the huge difference in quality which probably isn't the greatest mark for some of Beck's <laughs> recent work okay, it's all fine it's okay, all grand it seems to
3: be a bit a bit, bit shaken we should probably just
4: alright give us another number there Dave. two it's Empire of the Sun and this is Chrysalis Just that they would finally
2: be dead.
4: The lads, yeah. Um, haven't heard much from them recently. I believe they released uh, an album two or three years ago which got okay reviews but kind of quietly disappeared. I haven't heard much about this of late. I quite like it. I
3: want to see if you can name the year that they broke out in. They had two singles that dropped out. I, I'd say
4: 2010 or 2011.
3: It's Walking on a Dream and, and We Are The People. Yeah. 2008. Was it that long ago? Eleven years ago. Two thousand and eight. Eleven years ago. Isn't that terrifying? Well, for,
4: yeah, it was kind of right on the back of the whole MGMT thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Where there was a bit of there was comparisons S- to be drawn.
3: Yeah, and that was big. Like they were I mean like not big, big, but like they did have a bit of a run. Uh, I remember reviewing their album that came out after that. It was called Ice on the Dune. I feel like that was like 2011 or 2012, maybe even 2013, and I remember thinking it was fairly boring uh, with a couple of okay tracks. But then I kind of lost interest. I assume they just imploded. I was surprised that they were still a thing. I really like the song. It's yeah. fun. It works. It's it's totally doing what they do well. There's nothing revolutionary. There never was anything revolutionary about what they really do. It's just kind of like upbeat, jangly, you know, kind of with a, a very specific kind of 80s aesthetic. And uh, but it, when it works, it works. And yeah. this is definitely top tier Empire this one. I don't know what that means, but yeah, like it's a recommend for me.
4: I mean if you're gonna do disco referencing stuff, I will have this over Super Cool any day of the week. Yeah, for sure. Um it is when you're reaching the course, it is so similar to you remember Maxine Nightingales, um, right back to where we started from because it's all right which is a great hook and they kind of just duck it enough but it's uh, i don't hate it i actually think it kind of lifts up the song quite a lot it reminds me of um aesthetically kind of todd turch's work with brian ferry it's very smooth it's very chilled and it's yeah it's I, i like their work and i think you know if they came on the heels of mgmt mgmt were a band that like the kind of fame and the stardom never sat right with them, and they were just kind of weird group. I feel like these guys, they had the visual kind of looks and the you know experimental videos. They had the kind of pop sensibilities, and it never took off for them. I feel like they would have done a great job being pop stars. Do you know what I mean? Like, I agree
3: with that, yeah. yeah. It was kind of strange that it didn't take yeah, off, because it, it, it felt like primed it was, to it do it. Did. it. And yeah. everyone, like, if you throw on We Are The People or Walking On A Dream, everyone fucking knows it. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that one, yeah. That was a banger. Yeah. And this is definitely, like, one to kind of add to the mix. But, like, yeah, I, d- I just... Album-wise, long form, they don't quite pull it off because it, it all gets a bit of the same. But this yeah, also has the problem um, that Super Google has as well of, like, it's February and these are summer songs. That's very true.
4: Maybe we'll revisit them. Maybe we won't. Dave gives number. Three? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a thing. <laughs> Uh, this is retor- ret- the return of those Utter Boys. Retorn, the Peshop. <laughs> what was that? Forget
0: political correctness, I mean WTF. I don't want to think about the world, I want to talk about myself. Instead of governing, with
2: thoughtful sensitivity, let your government.
4: Oh, that was their new track. Uh, Give stupidity a chance. Uh, I think it's a protest song, Dave. One, <laughs> is it one of
3: one of three songs
4: that came out this week?
3: One of which is called "On Social Media," and I forgot what the other one is. But yeah, they've they're not. They they're, paid attention to Brexit and Donald Trump and the way the world is going. Um, I'm happy to say that we're not
4: in sad robot world territory here. <laughs> But I was, yeah, you had to come back to that. Um, but I don't, I didn't like this, Craig.
1: No, I didn't like it either.
4: Like, from the act that wrote songs like Being Boring and Rent and just really incisive kind of character studies where they could kind of inhabit different tones of voice. And this doesn't work at all. Because, <laughs> 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 on the one hand, he's speaking, Neil Tandis is speaking as a Trump supporter. But by including lines such as give stupidity a chance you're kind of mixing your messages it's just like you're like it's too on the nose for it to be a character study but then you're kind of parody lines then don't work either. And I love there's the, no subtlety.
3: I love the Pet Shop Boys as like a tune. I adore them. I actually think but as a more, tune, if this
4: was a more opaque nah, kind of nah, love song, nah, not, the tune I'm works nah. for me. It's got that kind of celestial synth thing on it. Is better?
3: They have, of course, The more I heard this, the more I hated it. The more I was like, Jesus, lads. I was like, give yourselves a fucking chance. I mean, like, <laughs> this feels so first drafty. And yeah, no, I just, I didn't, I didn't like it, Craig. I just didn't like it.
4: Do I dare ask, Dave?
3: <laughs> Can I have number
4: four you sure can this is Interpol back after a mere five months and this is a fine mess (laughs) Tell listen to what you did there, Craig. That wasn't actually number four. That was number five. But Dave was... Irritating
3: me so much with his choice of numbers.
4: I apologise, Dave, but what do you think of this track?
3: This is fucking great. Where was this? Where was this on, yeah, on Marauder's? Marauder. <laughs> this is really... This is the best Interpol song I've heard in years. Yeah. It's fucking... Okay, right, granted, yeah, it's overproduced a bit. And there's a bit, maybe too much treatment on Paul Banks' vocals, but... Uh, like it sounds vibrant, it sounds energetic it sounds alive it sounds like they give a shit it sounds like they want to write a really good rock song that could coexist um with some of their best work and it's not quite on that level, but like this is the Interpol that I thought was kind of asleep
4: yeah, yeah, most definitely there's a bit of grit here. I love those kind of stabbing guitars and the energy. Um, which was lacking for Marauder. Everything on Marauder just felt like fussed over, and there was actually some decent tunes there. Um, but the production did nothing for me. Where was this? It wouldn't have. Uh, would it have sat on the album? Well, yeah, because I mean, like to be fair, like,
3: like they don't really reinvent the wheel too often. And even like that's I guess true. Yeah. When El Pintor came out and a song like "All the Rage" back home, that was an absolute belt there but it was straightforward enough and this is kind of in the same vein Marauder just felt like it was just trying to be
4: I don't even know
3: that album was so
4: it It left
3: no impression yeah but this did this left an immediate impression
4: is this a case of they had this lying around or they just knocked it out I think they're in between kind of legs of tour so maybe they're just enjoying playing together but you feel like this is maybe they realise Marauder was a bit of a damn and they're like okay we need to get something out quick
3: but they don't strike me as a band that, that would ever <laughs> panic yeah, yeah. or like worry too much they have a, like they're one of those bands that have a built in fan base and yeah. they can just they're well-dressed. The they're very well dressed yeah. they can do whatever they want but it's it's a sign of good intention if they felt the need to do it because this is genuinely really really good and I will be going back to it quite a bit and it actually made me regret skipping the gigs that they did recently. They did three gigs, and I just didn't go because I didn't like the new album. And I was yeah. like, "Fuck it, I've seen it." Yeah. But I think I feel like I should Interpol have gone fatigue. because, to be fair, when they're on their fucking game, they're great. So this they is, are. This is yeah. this is a top tier Interpol for at least 2019. Anyway. Uh, uh, no, for now.
4: How much hope can we hold out? Though we're never we're never going to get a turn of the bright lights. Two. Come uh, on, yeah. I can't see that coming. Still shining. Anyway, Dave, I will give you number your number five. 4,
3: <laughs> number 5 please, Greg.
4: This is Alex Goff. Um Waterford's finest.
1: <laughs> That is something I have to move. Don't stress about my life, yeah. Just listen to the groove. Bridges to burn tables to turn. Work hard while you're young till you crash crashing your burn. Don't stress the throw flags to them corporate operators. Cancel your phone, but get a bowl get your breakfast. Bridges to burn tables to turn. Work hard while you're young till you're crashing your burn. Don't stress do throw flags to them corporate operators. Cancel your phone, but get a bowl your breakfast. Hold up. Isn't it that we blow up?
4: That was Breakfast, which doesn't sound like it came from Waterford. It sounds like it came from the nineties. Um the R and B genre. And I like it.
3: I like it. Uh, it's it's very good at doing the lazy kind of drawly social commentary thing. The beat's really good. He's a young producer, yeah uh, and he's got ambition. I think he made an EP before that was made up almost entirely of American commercials, and they were kind of twisted and tweaked and he's definitely got uh, some chops. This lad, he might be Waterford's finest. I'm struggling to think of any other acts that are from there.
4: Yeah, apologies to other acts. John America's O'Shea, just... he's from
3: Waterford. <laughs> Waterford yeah. Crystal,
4: I don't know. Um, so, John O'Shea was pretty good. You Nutmeg know, Figo once.
3: I liked this. I will say that like, the more I listened to it, it became a little bit annoying in as much as like his delivery became a little bit too kind of you know, knowingly smug in a way. There's a bit of
4: kind of vocal fry going on in the, v- which I didn't, you know, that kind of thing where you talk like that, you know.
3: It's yeah, yeah. That I didn't like that. Yeah. Like I read, in, and there's one line in particular like about corporate something or whatever and the more he did it, the more he wrapped kind of himself around it, his kind of, his style of delivery did kind of great on the ear. Uh, okay. And that's why I will not be adding this to the playlist of best songs of 2019
4: i felt it had but it does have a ton of
3: promise and he has announced himself to me with this track
4: yeah i thought it did have replay value um primarily for the tune itself um as songs about like being kind of late for lectures and things go i liked his playful nature and some of the lyrical drops were decent so yeah um very promising
3: okay well let's see what else is promising this week because it is time to review an album and that album is made by a man who Craig was counts as an acquaintance. His <laughs> name is Zach Condon. He performs under the moniker of Beirut, and the album is called Gallipoli. <laughs> Slide. it's track 8 on a 12-track record. Craig Fitzpatrick, why don't you tell us all about this man and
4: your experience with him? Well, will we get my experience out of the way? Uh, do, 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 you feel
3: like, do you feel like it should be? It, it was like,
4: Electric Picnic 2011, um, we had quite the weekend.
3: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great weekend.
4: Uh, it was just very busy, wasn't it? We were snowed under with interviews, a lot of public interviews for Hot Press. Um, it was my first time an at picnic. Intense workload. You came in with uh, high guns, hopes. Guns blazing. Uh, I was saying, this like this is going to be the
3: best weekend of my life. Yeah. Um, I ticked off some things that did not go in. I, I was like, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, it's going to be great. This is your
4: Woodstock. kind <laughs> of We're going to love it. And then in
3: the end, yeah, we were saddled with a lot of work and very difficult conditions. Uh, and there was, was great moments
4: too, but yeah, it was an intense weekend of mainly work and interviews, and this was my final public interview of the weekend. I think
3: it was the final public It was.
4: It closed was. down the tent, um, not because of how the interview went. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't to the ground, um, and you had clocked off mere I clocked a off mere half an hour or no, an it hour. It was more. I oh, clocked, was I clocked off at six o'clock. Oh yeah, because you'd had a few drinks. I, <laughs> I, I,
3: I interviewed Stuart Brightway from Mogwai, who yeah. was my last interview, and I was like, "Cool, that inter- that weekend's over now. I'm gonna get fucked." And I started knocking back the cans. You were nowhere to be found because you were off... In the media tent, working prepping. ...working on this yeah. interview. Because you were very nervous about this interview. You had, for some reason, got into your head that the reputation... You thought Zach Condon had a reputation of being a bit, a bit prickly.
4: Well, not particularly prickly, but just someone that didn't like doing interviews. Let alone public interviews in front of a crowd. Like a Sunday <laughs> evening crowd at a yeah. festival. Uh, it's not the best conditions to do a kind of heart-to-heart read. So,
3: picture the scene, listener. I stumbled my way into the media tent at approximately half nine Craig's interview is scheduled to take place at about ten I think yeah might have been something in your book and I came in with a couple of cans and I sat down you were like taking notes you were reading a lot of stuff and I just sat there and it might as well, you might as well have had headphones on because I just sat there and I tried to recap the entire weekend in Shakespearean monologue form and my whole thing was but we did it man you know, <laughs> it's all behind us it's now. all behind us now we got through it look at us now Crack it, and I'm like, You want this? And you're like, shaking your head, and I'm like, You can. <laughs> and I'm like, Come on, man, lighten up. And then it only dawned on me that, yeah, you actually had a, a nerve wracking interview to do. But in the end,
4: he was a sweetheart. It was, was an really absolute well. sweetheart, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, you know, a lot of his fans were there, seemed to enjoy it, and he couldn't have been nicer, really interesting dude. Um, I guess he had just wrapped up his um main stage performance, um, so he was probably a bit of an adrenaline rush and relieved. So it was a it was good timing to get him, and he was a lovely bloke. Um, but so who is he, Craig? Let's yes, let's get to that. Um, he's a bloke out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, he's at the centre of this quite expansive, like worldly group. Um, who came to prominence I guess the mid part of the last decade and they tapped into that like indie folk zeitgeist at the time but they made it m- more than bearable they made it very good by introducing kind of elements of Balkan folk and just um, a lot of his influences come from I believe he worked in a cinema in his youth and he was influenced by kind of um, Italian arias and funeral march songs and soundtrack work and he fed that all into this kind of smorgasbord of sound and massive horns very filmic stuff
3: that sounds a bit precious doesn't it
4: does it though well, yes does it does it? Yeah. and somehow we pulled it off um, I adored the first two records um, the third was a decent work but he kind of matured in the way that a lot of artists do where he was playing it a bit safe um, I certainly think no 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 um, which was the last effort felt more poppy a lot safer um, he seemed he seems like a guy who gets weary on the road and then has to go off and seek kind of escape in rural locations and find new place on the map where he can seclude himself and regain his creative strength. I seem really tired um on his last outing, but on this one, has he regained some form? Has he tapped into? He's been talking about um finding this old organ that he used extensively on the first two records. And I guess the inference being, oh, we're back to his best early work, just the old cliche.
3: Right, yeah. I mean, so he went off to Italy, I believe, did he? Yeah. Did a phoenix on it.
4: Did a phoenix on it. Got some ice creams. Has um, even
3: titled some tracks here with some Italian. Gallipoli,
4: obviously the island's city-state. Um, yeah, so for, nearby.
3: Me, for me, Beirut is an act where I know a handful of tracks. The albums never really blew me away. Uh, I didn't probably give him the proper time that he should deserve. Uh, I liked seeing him live, you know, sitting there at 6 o'clock on a fucking Sunday evening. after have been a few years ago in the sun. People drinking wine. was that kind of affair. <laughs> uh, I approached this album with some trepidation is what I'm trying to say, listener. I was like, what kind of, you know, what kind of fucking This might be a nice album. <laughs> <cinema> so, <Paradiso> so <laughs> situation I'm going to get into. And I found that last weekend when I was at work and I was in the office on my own and threw the speakers on, uh, this album I found to be exceptionally inviting and warm mm-hmm. and it I was drawn to it. I found myself drawn to this. Uh, He managed to kind of steal me away. The opening track, When I Die, I think is fantastic. Yes. That's an absolutely beautiful song. Um, Once again, there was a bit of diminishing returns for this one for me, where the more I went back to it, the less I kind of felt terribly compelled by it. But I think that as a... Uh, like what's the word here that isn't the word aesthetic <laughs> I think as a, as
4: a as a mood the atmosphere
3: yeah, of the uh, record yeah, kind totally, of compels you yeah, yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah like thank you thesaurus Craig. Um <laughs> it did I mean I, it washes over you in the right ways and it does take you away I don't know if there's much depth but I do think it's one of the prettiest albums I've heard in some time and I felt like it was holding my hand and bringing me to places and that was cool and I just enjoyed spending time with it but I didn't fall into it
4: that's really interesting yeah it is uh, gorgeously produced um i think it's up there with his best in those terms and it combines lots of different elements that worked in the last couple of records um all into this very lush sound which i think has a lot to do with that organ that he's using quite extensively it has this kind of like sunken maritime warm feel which i think links the whole thing together i had kind of the reverse situation going on where as someone that knew his work quite well knowing he was returning kind of to past glories, for the first three or four sit-throughs, it was like, this sounds very nice. It sounds a lot like he's trying to <laughs> go back to past glories. And I was kind of thinking, like those kind of very um identifiable horns that he introduces throughout, I was kind of beginning to think, is this a bit of an easy trick? Do you know what I mean? Is it like the kind of a fanfare for these kind of like Victoria songs that don't really quite appear? Around like the seventh listen, something clicked for me, and um, the kind of soft focus of a lot of the songs that warmth gave way to more detail. I think rhythmically, there's a lot going on with this record, which I love. The percussion really kind of forms this narrative path, like it's kind of it's kind of tidal in the way it moves, which is ties into the geographical stuff a lot. I think maybe an issue with people going, "This is lovely," not much depth comes back to his lyrical ability. Or maybe not so much ability, but his thoughts on lyrics. Because what was arresting maybe to start where he's writing about non-studies, far from places... When you're moving then onto like, Gallipoli or, like, it's record number five... And it's he's just, like, gone to some new exotic locale... It feels a bit like it's just postcards. It's just stand-ins for kind of more meaning. Um, he talked in a recent interview, though, about how, for him... When he starts applying or forming lyrics around the song it's that at that moment where they're brought back down to earth and he doesn't really like putting definite structures narratively on songs so he has thought this true himself that kind of made sense to me you, you shouldn't really go look into these songs looking for great stories you have to kind of imbue them with your own stories i guess
3: perchance to dream but is that mm. also a bit of a cop-out for him where it's a case of
4: well, he yeah uh, mightn't feel project, that, that's his strength yeah onto
3: this canvas that yeah. i have beautifully ornately decorated and make no mistake it really really is um, I saw some criticisms of the fact that there's a couple of instrumentals on here and people were, uh, described them as pointless and I, I disagreed I actually very much enjoyed them.
4: Yeah particularly when it's on those instrumentals he, start, he starts kind of taking chances um, he never veers too far away from uh, the tried and tested means but it's definitely he's added strings to his bow and I think he uses the instrumentals as showcases for that and kind of palate cleansers if you will.
3: This felt like a soundtrack to me to a film I'm never going to see. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing but Again, I come back to the depth issue where I'm glad it clicked for you. Yeah. I wanted to have that experience. And the strange thing is, I thought I was going to. I've had a couple of those kind of false starts this year in terms of like, um. and this sounds harsh because I actually like all of the albums I'm about to mention, but like the Maggie Rogers album, the James Blake album, and now this album, they all worked very strongly on me immediately. There was a sense of magic that was creeping in and then glamour kind of wore off or something. I don't know what it quite was, but like maybe I just, I'm looking for something that I'm not finding here. And thus my own individual projection isn't quite in line with the vision that's been realized by the artists involved. Because I do think that in those three cases, particularly with James Blake, and I guess this one too, um, they were very true to their vision. Yeah. Uh, as was Maggie Rogers, to be fair. I actually spoke to her that interviews up in Joe. If anybody wants to go and read it, I really enjoyed it as and I really enjoyed doing it and I enjoyed writing it. Um, and I think all three artists there have, like, serious levels of conviction and will make stuff that their fans will absolutely embrace and kind of take on board as their own. But I don't know. I mean, like, the idea of this Gallipoli, like, you know, this this kind of, like, postcard escape, I just find myself being the guy who is sitting at the next table while Beirut and his crew are having a good time and I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not going to go that's,
4: over That's fair. Um, and I think it might be a time and place listening to a thing where it might click at one point. You might go listen to it a few times and go, okay, I'll move on as we often have to with this podcast. Um, but I think this, like, it's a testament kind of to his writing ability Um, and his just in general musical ability that he never really sounds like it would be very easy for this to sound like um, kind of cheap world music tourism like he's kind of just going around and flitting about and you know grabbing what he can and him also like this could sound like posturing couldn't it? like quite a lot of this where it's
3: that's a really good point because to be fair it never does it it doesn't feel alienating and it doesn't feel like look what I can do Yeah, and it doesn't feel oppressive or like any kind of barriers it is inviting it is warm I think, like I say, I mean, I think the reason why I draw that analogy where I'm not going over to the table is not because I'm not invited to the table; it's because I just kind of feel like it's not really for me. I don't really belong there. Uh, so, yeah, where does it leave him, though?
4: Um, I think this. I think he sounds revitalized on this. I think it will kind of consolidate a fan base because um <laughs> is that an advertising term, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there are enough subtle hints of him broadening his palette uh, to kind of pathway to more exciting stuff but yeah it sounds he sounds like he's in a good place this is probably my like when do talked about john hopkins record last year this is probably my case of that where i could appreciate that but i maybe didn't have the emotional ties to it um there's kind of builds and you know unspoken movements in some of the songs that definitely clicked for me which kind of i was thinking about how do talked about that john hopkins record and going oh yeah this is why that like this beirut record is working for me so maybe it is i think i think saying it's one for the fans is definitely doing it down but i i think maybe they will have the best reaction to this which is, he'll be more than happy with i'm guessing i
3: guess that'll make sense because yeah. like i'm i'm not a fan in the like in the sense of the sense that i'm just i'm, I'm not a fan yeah but i enjoyed this seven out of ten it's an A for me okay very good. I'm glad that you got your got your boy back.
4: You yeah, know? yeah. It was great listening. It uh, cheered me right up this week.
3: This episode of No Encore was engineered by sonic architect Eve Murray. In the other listening corner, uh, I've listened to a few things. Talos, Far Out Dust, sophomore record out now, highly recommended. Mono, 10th album by this Japanese outfit, Nowhere Now Here. Very good if you're into some kind of heavy wanderings. And Man, Last Weekend, Can You Believe... It is 15 years since the Walkmen dropped Bows and Arrows on the world. <laughs> I went back to it. 15 years. That album it's is... Great. It's really good. Incredible. It holds up incredibly well. The Rat somehow sounds timeless. It's a great album from start to finish. If you've never heard the Walkmen Bows and Arrows, for God's sake, fucking do it.
4: Get out of here. Get, Get out, out, of out, here. out of here. Stop listening <laughs> to the everything. Not until I say what I've been listening to. <laughs> Not much, because I've been sick. <laughs> jesus really yeah um yesterday i was listening to a good bit of idol's last record um joy is an act of resistance what do you think of them a lot of hype i was i was on the fence um i'm coming around to them i'm enjoying it you're off kind of with it yeah kind of with an eye and an ear to checking them out when they come over here because i want to see the support act which is rolling um blackouts coastal fever australian act that are great good name so, yeah great band
3: our exit music this week comes from Craig Fitzpatrick. Not in the form of music itself, but his selection. And you've pulled it out of the bag.
4: Yeah, I have. Um, this is an amazing track. Um, I Yeah, I was just, you know, flitting about trying to find a track for exit music. And I stumbled upon this. It's great. It's a six-piece from Dublin. They're kind of neo-psych, space-bandy thing. This is their debut single. They've had different iterations before. They are Fat Pablo. And yeah, you're a fan of this, Dave? I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, this was a really great example of a first listen just working. I can't believe
3: this is a debut single. Now, I know I you know, say they, so have, they have a previous life, but this is so accomplished. It's beautiful. Uh, my only criticism of it is, and it's, it's a good one for once, uh, is that when it ends, I desperately want it to keep going. Yeah, which yeah. Which yeah. I guess is, you know, that's, that's the fucking trade off, isn't it? Like, you always, you don't want a on Dead Stay, it's welcome. But it really picks you up and brings you to a place. Uh, I was instantly, instantly moved by this. I think it's excellent. So yeah, Fat Pablo. The song is called Sham- Shambhala. Yeah, Shambhala. And it's our exit music this week. And I'm very, very, very interested to see what these guys are going to do. My name is David William Henry. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. And we're back next week. <laughs>
4: Of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
3: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate
2: picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's.
0: Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style
4: for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.